Hello you, Alvin here from the Success Unscrambled podcast, where we cover anything to do with entrepreneurship and digital marketing to get you one step ahead or closer to your goals of achieving your passion in life. Today we are going to be covering a very, I guess we can call it a complex topic, um, I'm going to try to be um, make it as simple as possible, but it's all about the term entrepreneurship, as in I-N-T-R-A-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, not the typical entrepreneur. <laughs> this is going to get so very confusing because they, they kind of sound similar when you uh, pronounce it. I didn't actually think about that. Okay, so we've been looking at intrapreneur versus the entrepreneur, the characteristics, the examples, as well as the definitions, as so that we can understand what is the difference between the two and um, look at uh, the benefits to you as an individual, as well as to a company. So when you hear the word intrapreneur, what kind of entrepreneur definition comes to mind? So if, for example, you always wanted to become an entrepreneur and you wanted to start your own business, but you were afraid because, you know, the security of getting a salary at the end of every month um, being taken away um, scares you, then listen on because this podcast is all about um, still getting the salary and using your entrepreneur skills uh, to get ahead in life. So you must agree with me that it is quite confusing. You have all these terminologies um, going out um, on the stratosphere and you want to understand what's the difference between an intrapreneur and an entrepreneur. Having a clear def- definition will help most people understand how it differs from the standard or normal or traditional entrepreneur. The problem many companies struggle to understand is that the benefits of having an intrapreneur on board in the organization, uh, because many experts think that these so-called intrapreneurs are just, you know, entrepreneurs, but they're working from the inside as opposed to going off on their own. At first, I struggled with this assumption, but after trolling through many articles, about, you know, the entrepreneur and all of the different benefits and examples, I saw what is called the light at the end of the tunnel. The impact to organizations, both large and small, is amazing, especially when the risk of not embracing this culture is um, leads to failure. So in this particular podcast, I'm going to help you understand the definition or the intrapreneur definition from several experts as well as um, the associated examples, benefits. So grab a seat, grab your favorite snack or a cup of tea um, or your favorite drink, and let's get all right into it. So the first entrepreneur, entrepreneur, that's the I-N-T-R-A definition I have, is one from what we call dictionary.com. And you're probably wondering, you've never heard this terminology before, Um, neither did I many weeks ago, but I came across it. Um, And dictionary.com says 
an entrepreneur is or entrepreneur is an employee in a large corporation who receives freedom and financial support to create products, services and systems. Now, to be honest, I had a few reservations with that definition because it seems to be very narrow in its definition that the employee needed to be in a large corporation. My other, other reservation is that the definition is very focused on the external adjectives of the person rather than the drivers or motivations from within. So while you chew on that definition for a while, let's look at a few examples and characteristics that match this particular definition nicely. So one of the list of characteristics is one I found um, in study.com. And it was written by um, a writer by the name of Beth Hendricks. And she said that the four traits of an intrapreneur is, or are, should I say, a willingness to take calculated risks, ability to think visually and brainstorm new ideas, desire to influence more than reap financial reward, and insight to discover the next great idea. Some examples of an entrepreneur um, is, or should I say are, um, they're the, the famous Facebook likes. <laughs> so the, the Facebook like came about as a result of what we call a hackathon event where entrepreneurship is being nurtured within Facebook itself. And during this hackathon, they came up with this thing called the Facebook like. I actually honestly don't remember Facebook not having a like. I probably have very bad memory. But what I would say is I'm still waiting on the Facebook clap. Now, that'd be awesome. I know Medium has a clap and they are the ones invented first. But sometimes Facebook just deserves a clap as opposed to just a like. A zero to Zorro. So Jean-Marc Laundrie had no experience in entrepreneurship. Uh, he decided to set up um, an innovation program for his company. And I've left a link uh, in the show notes so you can take a look at um, Jean-Marc Landry's example there. Okay, so let's look at the second definition. If you didn't like the first one like I did very much, there's hope. <laughs> I have three other definitions that you can consider. So according to Investopedia, an entrepreneur is an inside entrepreneur in the large firm using entrepreneurial skills without incurring risk. Well, you know what I'm going to say? Why does it have to be a large firm? Can small businesses or startups have entrepreneurs as well? At the risk of me sounding a bit picky or even biased, <laughs> let's spend some time looking at the characteristics and examples of this particular definition. So does an entrepreneur need to have the guts um, or uh, you know, be adventurous as the regular entrepreneur? Well, according to an article for Center of Enterprise, entrepreneurs have more relatable characteristics. Their list is passionate, determined, resourceful, courageous, adaptable, and of course, results driven. It is at this point I would like to ask you, the listener, does this sound like you? Do you fit the bill? 
Personally, I think that entrepreneurs are more passionate compared to entrepreneurs. So the ones who normally go off and have their own business, I think that they have more passion because they don't do it for, you know, the paycheck or the salary at the end of the month. They do it because they're passionate about this. They want to they go off and change the world. Whereas entrepreneurs, which is the ones that work internally in an organization and, and you know, receive a paycheck, I don't think they have as much passion. But you know what? I could be wrong. And the reason why I'm saying that is that they have entrepreneurs, the, the standard traditional entrepreneurs, um, have less resources available to them. Yes, they can go and do funding rounds and all of that. And they do not have a salary. Um, so it tends to be a big labor of love. Um, so here are some examples of that definition from Investopedia. Two examples, really. Um, the first one is from a company called Lockheed Martin. Um, they have um, or create what we call innovative aircraft models because of what they, they have this project set up internally called the Skunk, Skunks Works Project um, that is led by a person called Kelly Johnson. Um, and because of this particular project, um, the employees managed to create a number of innovative aircraft models, including the SR-71. If you're into movies, you're going to like the next example. Uh, Kung Fu Panda. DreamWorks is another amazing company that encourages its workers to give them free classes in script development and pitching. Now, I would love that. <laughs> they then present in the front of the real executive team. And one of the results of this particular fostering of this particular culture was the movie called Kung Fu Panda, which was a multi-million pound movie. Okay, so we're now up to a third definition of an intrapreneur. And obviously, we have to go to Wikipedia. I know Wikipedia isn't as reliable in some areas, but sometimes they are quite reliable. And according to Wikipedia, an intrapreneur is the act of behaving like an entrepreneur while working at a large firm. Again, the large firm thing. You have to see the fun side of that definition, though. I know that Wikipedia have its, can have definitions that cause readers to scratch their heads. And this one takes the biscuit. Okay, so let's go to the other extreme and look at dictionary.com. Oh, sorry, Oxford Dictionary. As you know, Oxford Dictionary is a well-respected dictionary. Um, I remember as a child growing up, um, having Oxford Dictionary was the book, the dictionary that you can trust. Now, there are so many dictionaries as a result of the internet. But let's look, let's look at a definition from the Oxford Dictionary. Um, a manager within a company who promotes innovative product development and marketing. Just wow. I just wasn't expecting that from the Oxford Dictionary, expecting something a little bit more serious. Um, but it's very modern description or definition um, that you can, you know, relate to. It doesn't say that you have to be in a large firm. It just has to be a manager. Okay, I'm kind of biased and thinking, why does it have to be a manager? But let's just leave it there. But a person just promotes innovative product development and marketing. That's it. So let's look at some characteristics um, for this particular definition. So the whole idea of intrapreneurship is fairly new topic. 
Um, so I want to make sure I look at different angles as opposed to sticking to one definition and one example. Lavanya um, wrote an article in LinkedIn in 2016, and she outlined five characteristics of an entrepreneur. Uh, highly ethical, less distracted, mentors, constant learners, provides value. Who do you think learn from more from their experiences? An entrepreneur or an intrapreneur? I don't know. I tend to think it's the person on the outside as opposed to the person on the inside. But let's look at some examples. So IBM has a program called Intrapreneurship at IBM, where they foster corporate entrepreneurship, which has resulted in over 7,500 patents registered by the company in 2014. Now that's a lot, that's a lot. A great reason why companies should consider an intrapreneurial activities. The money is possibly in the patent. Intel, another company, uh, decided to invest in their, in their employees in 1998 by starting a new business initiative. 12 months later, they had 400 ideas where, that were pitched by employees and 24 of them received fun, funding. The result was the Vivonic Fitness Planner, founded by Paul Scagnetti. Okay, we have another one. In, Intrapreneurs at Allstate is another project that's run by, obviously, Allstate. Another amazing story that saw an entrepreneur community of 250 employees. It also involved sponsors and mentors across the enterprise. You can read about Jack Redding's story, because I don't want to make this podcast too long. I've left a link in the show notes there. So at this point, you're probably aware that I'm including some of the very large, well-known organizations. My request to you, if you are a startup or a small business, is that you share your story in the comments. So at least we know who else uh, and which small business or which uh, startups are actually embracing the whole concept of intrapreneurship. So I have one more definition for you, and I have to include it as it helps to balance things out when you compare to the first, the very first two um, definitions that we had. Um, I just wanted to make sure that we have a more well-rounded, inclusive um, des definition that includes the people and the organizations involved. Search CIO which is um, a magazine, really brings the intrapreneur de definition home by saying that an intrapreneur is just an employee given the authority and support to develop a product without a need for it becoming revenue generating. So there you go. So we went from big firm, large corporations, managers, and now we are just down to the humble employee. So it could be anybody who... Um, you know, goes off and decide to develop a product without the need for it to become um, revenue generating. Uh, you can probably detect that I'm sort of more biased to this particular definition compared to the others, simply because it's kind of, you know, including everyone in the organization. I really like the last part of the definition that outlines the fact that there's not a need, there's no pressure for the project to become revenue generating. 
because it removes that, um, I guess, the, the nervous um, stress that is associated with the term. Um, and if you're wondering why, then you need to know that most ventures, most successful ventures, should I say, and people and projects had to go through a series of failures before becoming successful. Okay, so let's look at some characteristics of this particular definition. Uh, Devika Majumbe, from, who wrote an article in Entrepreneur, she um, talks about effective ways to find entrepreneurs for your startup. So she goes down the startup route. Uh, we spend a lot of time looking at established companies, but she's going to focus on startups. She said you can spot them by looking at looking for problem solvers, self-starters, innovators, uh, growth drivers, and high people with high integrity. Uh, so you see from her definitions, there are some similarities and differences um, that are similar to the ones that we've covered before. Um, some examples, large but nimble. So this one, is, we're going to look at some um, big companies again. Uh, Thomas Reuters, they have, um, with the help of uh, Graham King, they explain how they foster entrepreneurship uh, in a video. I've included it in the show notes there. It's very hard to explain a, a lengthy video. Um, Ing, so I-N-G, wanted to ensure that their large size doesn't stop them from being agile or nimble, um, which they came up with an entrepreneurial program which resulted in um, Bairi Lai, their first entrepreneurial success. And then we have Shutterstock. They encourage their employees via an entrepreneurship program which can take place in uh, 24 hour hackathons. Again, they're using hackathons similar to Facebook. One of these sessions resulted in the development of a um, solution called Spectrum, which allows their users to navigate through the photo library by color. So by now you have formulated in your mind a version of entrepreneur definition that will suit you based on your background and your beliefs and your experiences. Uh, you're now ready to look at how it compares to the traditional entrepreneur, as well as the types, opportunities, skills, benefits, leadership characteristics of the humble entrepreneur. So when looking at entrepreneur versus the entrepreneur, we have an article by King University um, where they come out and they say that the, when you're comparing those two types, um, the, the only difference between them is the setting where each of these people work. I kind of disagree with that, um, but then, you know, that's my opinion. It's up to you to come up with your own, um, your own opinion on this. So, for example, they say that both of them have to deal with risks, funding, mentorship, supports, and restrictions. Um, in my opinion, they differ greatly when it's looking at the intrapreneur versus the intrapreneur. Uh, I'm not going to reveal my opinion uh, in terms of each of those specific five points, but I, wanna, I just want to invite you, the listener, to compare all the different articles that I'm about to, to share with you and come to your own conclusion. So there's a short article that was beautifully penned by Aja Frost, in HubSpot, and she delves deeper into the elements 
that um, was covered. Things like risk, job security, resources, responsibilities, and culture. Um, we also have another article uh, written by uh, Larry Myler at Forbes, where he emphatically stresses the difference between the humble intrapreneur compared to the adventurous intrapreneur. He talks about autonomy, resources, rewards versus risk and culture. I appreciate the fact that he highlights that a company's existing culture can have a negative impact on an intrapreneur as the, the intrapreneur needs to inherit whatever is in that environment. If an existing culture is not particularly helpful, it can affect the intrapreneur's innovative spirit. And at the risk of, of clouding your particular judgment, I want you to decide for yourself what is the difference as opposed to giving me giving you my opinion on this particular topic. Uh, so look at the different types. Look at the different types of entrepreneurs. So as you can know, like I said, I've, I've sort of never really considered this terminology before. And when I came across it, I was surprised to find that there are different kinds or different types of entrepreneurs. Um, what we have established so far, obviously, in terms of the definitions, etc., is that an entrepreneur is an employee who conducts entrepreneurial endeavors within an existing company or establishment or a startup. So could there really be different types? Let's take a look. Melody Cotton in the Entrepreneurial Initiative gives us a little insight into the different types of entrepreneurs. She believes that there are two types as follows. Added value, so that's a person adding value or innovation to an existing, a company's existing activities. And then we have a spin-off. Um, this can be a whole new line of um, activity that sort of creates new products and services for an existing company. Back in 2016, Susan Foley of Corporate Entrepreneurs conducted some research on entrepreneurs. And while conducting the research, she discovered three distinct types of entrepreneurs, creators, doers, and implementers. The creators are those who are idea generators and are active during the discovery phase. Doers, on the other hand, are task-oriented and focus on achieving the objectives. Implementers are creative, competitive, and goal-oriented. They know how to get things done and can figure out how to get things done. The question I have for you, the listener, is which entrepreneur type are you? Or which one do you want to be? All right, so in 2017, Ralph Christian Orr wrote about four models of entrepreneurship innovation, where he focused on what specifically fueled the growth. Um, and these four models fell into two categories. You have organizational ownership, so where the organization owns that, or resource authorities based on Walcott and Lipids. So the four models that he outlined was opportunist, enabler, advocate and producer. The opportunities, oh, sorry, opportunist is great for cultures that are open to experimentation. The enabler, also good for cultures that enjoy substantial collaboration and ide ideation, so generating ideas. The advocate is good for those who want to accelerate growth and establish divisions. 
And the producer is any organization looking to disrupt their competition and conquer new domains um, so that they can adopt this particular model. So I've left a link in the show notes so you can actually you know, get your head around um, what Ralph Christian O is talking about in terms of the models. Um, you can be, you can be someone, for example, based on the examples given before, you can be someone who's added value, who is a doer um, in an opportunistic environment. So it's a bit like standing at a salad bar in, in Whole Foods and you have to choose, obviously, where Whole Foods is the environment, obviously giving you the opportunity to eat whole healthy foods. And then you can start with a salad bar and choose what toppings you, or what salad items you want and what toppings you want on the salad. So it's just a bit like that when you look at all these different models and types of entrepreneur. You can also think about it as the Chipotle restaurant where you're deciding on what sort of wrap or sandwich you want, what kind of container, etc. But here's a pertinent question for you. Do you want fries with that? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to go there. Okay, top 10 entrepreneurs. If you want to really get an understanding of entrepreneurs, one of the biggest things to do is to look at those who did it before. People with experience, people who have, you know, successes in it. Let's spend some time looking at the top 10 entrepreneurs. Um, it is going to be difficult to find the top 10 since this whole concept of it's, you know, totally fairly new. But I'm just going to list out the 10 that I found. So the first three was found on virgin.com. And they are Dick Drew, who um, joined 3M in 1920. He wanted to solve a problem and in terms of the paint having two different colors. Um, and that resulted in scotch tape or cello tape or spello tape, some people call it. You've got Dave Myers, who helped W.L. Gore develop the Gore's ride-on line of bike cables. And he also developed better songs for acoustic guitar strings for LXE. Then we have Paul Bouchet, uh, known for his work in helping to bring Gmail to the market for Google in 2004. So here are another four that I found on CBS News. We have Spencer Silver and Art Fry, responsible for the innovation, sorry, the invention and popularity of the post-it note in 3M. So another 3M example. We have uh, Ken Kutaragi, um, responsible for forming Sony Computer Entertainment. And because of his passion to make the game's console more exciting, by improving the sound and design as a sideline project. By the way, he almost lost his job. Um, you can see now the, the Sony uh, company is very popular with all of the, the Sony uh, games. We also have uh, Patrick Norton, James Gosling, and Bill Roy. Uh, Patrick encourages CEO to break into the PC consumer market with a 12-page email, and which resulted in Gosling creating an object-oriented programming language called Oak, now known today as Java, which, if you didn't know, is when the whole internet, the whole world of the internet changed back in 1995. We then have Larry Hornbeck. Um, he received an Emmy for outstanding achievement due to his research and development of a digital light processing technology, which revolutionized the HGTV and projector market. Now, I do have a whole lot more that is not necessarily big name companies and not popular. 
that I found uh, via player, a player FM podcast called Entrepreneur Podcast, believe it or not. And we have people from all over the world um, giving their success stories as entrepreneurs on this particular podcast. I've included a link in the show notes. You can take a look and, you know, you decide who the top ones are for you. I didn't want to sort of shove down your throat or your in your mind what the top 10 um, examples are. But I want you, I've given you seven and giving you the freedom to choose the three that appeals to you. Uh, the, the key takeaway from these examples is to see which one of them fits the entrepreneur definition that you formulated in your own mind at the start of this particular journey. So we're looking at entrepreneur opportunities. Like, are there still opportunities today for entrepreneurs to uh, work in companies? I'd say yes, there are. Um, so if it is you're looking to still, you know, become an entrepreneur in your organization, then listen up. This is, this is important for you. We have Liz Eltig, who is a global CEO, writing about the opportunity for millennials to become entrepreneurs in a Forbes 2017 article. So that's just, you know, not so long ago. Um, she said that she doesn't understand why fewer millennials have decided not to become, uh, fewer millennials have decided not, have decided to become entrepreneurs. She points out that many of them graduated around the time of the big recession in 2008. So the experience of getting a job um, after college was not a positive one. She cites that they have more opportunity than ever before to flex their entrepreneurial muscles by being an entrepreneur, which has added benefit of a secure salary. Um, in a t t 2015 article, we have Libby and Anthony list four different entrepreneur types as well as six main benefits that um, organizations can derive from having entrepreneurs on board, including idea development, innovation activity support, employee engagement, uh, model new behaviors and skills, cultural change, and external positioning. So, you know, and companies are constantly being encouraged. Um, Libby and Anthony have gone on to list nine ways in which an organization can support entrepreneurs, and you can find a link in the show notes. And uh, the question I have for you is, <laughs> are you a lone wolf or a conformist? If you find that you have a ridiculously rebellious streak in you, chances are you're a lone wolf. Okay, so Paul Kuchina, in his article, From Out of the Box Thinking to Strategic Opportunity, talks about the fact that businesses actually train their employees not to innovate. So that's very interesting. As a business, you know, you think of all the big names in the sort of business world. Do they train their employees to innovate or do they train them to conform? Are they lone wolves or are they more of a conforming, you know, come into work, work nine to five, um, clock in and clock out, etc. He goes on to give several examples of companies like Adobe, Cisco, GE and Siemens. Um, and I do admire when he says everyone not just, you know, not just managers or VPs or anything. Everyone has an entrepreneurial spirit within themselves that can deliver value to the business and its customers faster than a hierarchical structure. 
He believes that the best way to foster an inside uh, organization entrepreneurial environment that encourages an entrepreneurial culture, culture is having an entire department that employees can go to with their ideas. So if you think of a typical organization, you have the accounting or accounts receivable, accounts payable department, you have business operations, you have um, payroll, you've got HR, you've got sales, you've got marketing. How many times have you heard of a department called innovation or idea generation or anything like that? And this is what Paul is saying, that, you know, companies actually need to have a department that is the entrepreneurial department. I prefer to take on board as many views as possible to bring clarity to the subject. So I really like um, the Forbes article by George Deeb, Deeb yeah, which states that companies should encourage employees to spend part of their day jobs tinkering with ideas. Uh, most importantly, that it is okay to make mistakes that they should not be punished for failure. There are never too many viewpoints, so you can read more examples of um, entrepreneurial opportunities uh, by Hilton, Gibb, Bullock, and Coca-Cola in the show notes, the link in the show notes I provided. So what entrepreneurial skills do we need to have to be, to be classified as an entrepreneur? Yes, everyone has entrepreneurial skills, but who, when you're looking for someone with entrepreneurial skills to take on or to you know, generate idea and take on projects and you know, go, th go th follow through until the end, um, what, are those, what are those skills? So let's take a look at what the experts consider to be the skills of an entrepreneur. So Bolan Jones, in a 2014 article in Entrepreneur, cited these five skills. Persuasion, creativity, balance, listening, and ability to fail. I say it and I pause because, you know, that raises eyebrows. Ability to fail. Number five may surprise you because no one lists on their skills as uh, I can fail. Uh, the truth is that we have all failed at some point in our lives. The strength lies in, is in our response to that failure, what we learn from, for our next attempt. We need to fail fast and move on. If you don't fully agree with Boland, don't worry. Let's take a look at more views from entrepreneurial experts. Mind Tools had an article that I bonded with really well, and it says, do the stuff that only you can do. The one thing you have that nobody else has is you. The author also resonates with Bolin Jones by listing entrepreneur skills as self-confidence, creativity, tenacious innovation, problem solving, and ability to take calculated risks, putting ideas on the line. Failure is also mentioned as a stepping stone. Does that mean Entrepreneurs are allowed to fail? I'd say yes. <laughs> Let's look at David K. Williams in Forbes. He believes that there are four essential traits of an intrapreneur. He raises an interesting point, which is money is not their measurement. He also calls them greenhouses who know how to pivot and behave authentically. Question for you. Does this describe you or does this describe someone in your organization? Finally, Lisa Quast in Forbes uh, in 2011 
she be, she wrote an article where she believes that their skills should include knowledge of internal and external environments, visionary, diplomatic, ability to build a professional support network and perseverance. These views may seem to make the entrepreneur definition a bit similar to the entrepreneur. I'm getting closer to seeing the struggles of the entrepreneur despite getting a guaranteed salary every single month. So some people think, oh, well, the only struggles that entrepreneurs face is the fact that they don't have a guaranteed salary and they need to, you know, live off um, toast and butter every month uh, or beans, beans and toast. Um, there are other challenges that they face. Uh, entrepreneurship benefits, benefits to a company. Um, we have to look at, it, at that because there's no point looking at, you know, the entrepreneur, you know, what skills they have, what sort of successes are available. We need to look at, you know, the benefits in general to a particular company who decides to have a department dedicated to intrapreneurship. So I found an article in a, 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 a magazine or a site called Intraprise, um, where I found 10 compelling reasons why entrepreneurship should be encouraged in organizations. Number one, it, drive, it brings more revenues. They have a lot of R&D savings, innovation, breeding talent, competitive intelligence. They attract external talent. They boost employee morale, abundant market research, product line expansion, and social responsibility. So those are some, you know, some compelling reasons why, as an organization, anyone would decide to have or foster a culture that encourages entrepreneurs. It is also important to have a diverse staff pool to foster an environment of entrepreneurship. Um, just in case you've never read, there's several articles, or should I say there are several articles out there that talks about diversity, diversity uh, increasing profits within organizations. Uh, because you have people from all these different cultures, etc. You have different points of view, different experiences, etc. that encourages um, you know, higher revenues and better profits for the company. So I can easily end there, but that would be not looking at it objectively, will it? <laughs> Do you remember Susan? Susan Foley, we spoke, she spoke before about, um, I think it was under the, the, the skills. So Susan Foley, uh, again at Corporate Entrepreneurs, gives us her five benefits of entrepreneurship. These include growth, innovation, leadership, change, and engagement. I really like the fact that she emphasizes that change can be difficult uh, with 60 to 70% failure rate across organizations. So think about that for a second. Change is something that you, is unavoid, unavoidable. As time goes on, a company needs to change and adopt, otherwise it will become obsolete. Uh, so what she's saying is that anytime companies need to change, the failure rate for companies that need to go through change is 60 to 70%. When you have entrepreneurs on board, um, these employees are what we call change agents and improve the possibility of success when there is a need for change. So one of the reasons, one of the more valid points of having entrepreneurs uh, as part of your organization is that when change happens, these people who are what they call change agents will actually improve the possibility of success within an organization. Stephen Bush, who is a consulting and career training expert at Tough Nickel, 
added what he believes are three core reasons that organizations should encourage entrepreneurship. These are increasing market share and profit, recruiting and retaining the best employees, developing new products and services. Stephen didn't stop there. He went one step further to give us four outcomes of ignoring entrepreneurship. And I know I didn't actually cover this before. If you decide, okay, as an organization, you don't want to get involved in entrepreneurship. You don't want to have a department dedicated to that. You're just not going to adopt that into your culture. Here's what can happen. You get lost of profits, downsizing, becoming obsolete, and failure. So something to consider as an organization, if you decide that you're not going to um, get involved in entrepreneurship. And finally, Audrey Bianca gives us four more reasons why entrepreneurship can be advantageous for any organization. She says that motivation, stability, tapping into new markets, and sharing resources should be sufficient to inspire any organization to take that step in that new direction. Can your organization see any gains from having a culture that fosters intrapreneurship? Okay, so very last um, topic we're gonna cover is entrepreneurial leadership characteristics. So most of the things that happen within an organization starts from the top, it's a top-down kind of relationship where you know the CEO, the vice president, um, etc. They are the one that's driving the change or driving the culture within the organization. So we're going to look at what sort of leadership you should have in place as an organization in order to foster an environment or a culture of intrapreneurship. Question for you. Is your organization actively looking for a new CEO, a new chairman, a new vice president? Have you thought about entrepreneurial qualities of your new leader? Can he or she foster an environment where they will promote entrepreneurship. So let's look at some of the characteristics of um, that this person should have before you make a short list of candidates. In this article um, from astronomandwisecuts.com, we have a list of 10 valuable characteristics that this new leader should have. Self-belief, share success involved, honesty, perseverance, learning, communication skills, vision, supportive, and create a conducive growth atmosphere. The focus in these leadership characteristics moves away from systems and processes and moves towards a more risk-centered approach to leadership. You are going to love Mike. So I found an article by Robert Barris who wrote uh, in Enterprise Innovation, where he looked at the example from Mike Burgess at Cox Automotive. So I am not familiar with the company Cox Automotive, but you could add them to your list of top 10 entrepreneurs if you want, entrepreneurs. Um, Mike was involved in developing Make My Deal, which is an online car purchasing experience. In the article, Mike hits on a vital point, which is an entrepreneur which is as an entrepreneur, there is a lot of motivation in the potential to hit it big without the fear of losing out on a paycheck or a salary or a wage next month. So, you know, he's saying basically um, what drives an entrepreneur is wanting to hit it big. Uh, yes, they don't have to worry about a paycheck or a salary at the end of the month. 
but their potential is their motivation is they want to hit it big so could this be a big differentiator when you're looking at the entrepreneur versus the entrepreneur um and do you think it's a defining moment for you yes but one of the differences is that the intrapreneur gets a paycheck or a salary and the entrepreneur actually doesn't but mike is saying well actually what drives that person is they want to hit it big um there is more when asked about the characteristics of an ideal entrepreneur mike says that they have to have a hunger drive and ability to demonstrate leadership as and and which is just some of the important qualities however spearheading innovation is not a means to get rich so there isn't an ipo on m&a merger and acquisition coming um, it's an opportunity to place a bigger stake in the operations and future direction of the corporation so i guess when you have a new ceo that comes on board or even an existing ceo who decides to open up the culture to an entrepreneurial one what the biggest driver for that particular person is not getting rich it actually is according to mike um to place a bigger stake in the operation and future direction of the corporation so I'll probably sort of maybe make a make a name for themselves so basically is he saying that entrepreneurs do it for fame while entrepreneurs are in it, in it for an IPO or initial public offering or an emergent acquisition let's see what skills mike looks for in people who he chooses as entrepreneurs creating order out of chaos leading from the front making decisions without inadequate information I know that one sounds scary making decisions without inadequate information when was the last time you made a decision without inadequate information i guess we do it every day when you go to the supermarket and you pick up uh, something and you buy it without even reading the label you actually make a decision <laughs> with with okay you probably bought it before many times and nothing actually went wrong with you but you didn't actually check the label <laughs> if your answer to the question is never i think you naturally telling the truth what do you think do you, do you should should entrepreneurs or ceos be able to make decisions without adequate information so before we close off this specific hot topic um there's one more article from Brian Church who is a ceo of ambassadors international and he's the author of relationship momentum he wrote an article in brazen.com where he outlines five traits for entrepreneurial leadership one thing that brian mentioned before i list those particular traits is the potential or risk of those innovative employees becoming the future competition of the organization so i'll say that again one risk or potential risk that companies face if they decide not to have an entrepreneurial program is that these entrepreneurial company uh entrepreneurial employees would go off and form their own companies and become competition to that particular company which is very very deep something to consider so here are the traits for an entrepreneur for an entrepreneurial leader a leader who is you know needs to be encouraging an entrepreneurial culture in the company the person must have an entrepreneurial spirit commitment to innovation appetite for risk process reward an appetite for competition and high confidence and self esteem 
Did you know that the captain and builders of the Titanic had high confidence and self-esteem? In fact, I think they had all five of those traits. I say I think because I wasn't there, so I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> You're probably thinking, that is beside the point. <laughs> At least it's something to remember, you know, to have that the guts to go out and build a big ship like that and say it's an unsinkable in a big ocean. Well, you don't have to be that risky. You can be a little bit less uh, risky when it comes to entrepreneurship. So what's the conclusion? We have spent the last, you know, how many ever minutes together going through, you know, the entrepreneurship, the definitions, the characteristics, examples, the benefits, uh, the leadership skills, etc. I have to be straight up with you and tell you this. If I can encourage everyone to be a digital nomad, I would shout it from the mountaintops. But the truth is, not all of us are designed to be digital nomads. Some of us will be employees until we retire. Others will go off and become an entrepreneur by starting their own business. While others will become investors, start their blog, or you know, pursue other things in their lives. If you prefer to remain an employee, that's fine as well. The good news is that if you have an entrepreneurial spirit and want the salary every single month, you can become an intrapreneur. There are so many companies offering you the opportunity to be to get the best of both worlds, you know, be an entrepreneur and still get a salary every month. Um, your biggest enemy, though, you have to take in mind or consider is bureaucracy or as they call it, red tape. That is one of the big things because you have all these people with opinions and you don't own the company. Um, so you are an entrepreneur within a company that you don't own and you have to take direction from these people with all the different red tape, unless you have a, a sponsor or a champion. And even then, there are no guarantees. So that brings us to the end of the podcast. Take a moment to subscribe to the Success Unscramble podcast, where you will be the first to hear what's happening in entrepreneurial world as well as digital marketing. Uh, your review of this podcast is so vitally important to keep it alive and running for the next 12 to, 14, 12 to 24 months. So please leave a review for us on iTunes or Spotify or you know one of your favorite podcast players. If you're a startup or small business and you need to hire a virtual assistant to complete tasks such as social media marketing, blogging, keyword research, Pinterest account management, then you can have a look at the virtual assistant retainer packages I have available. Um, do you want to pick my brain for 15 minutes? Try booking some time in my calendar where I can give you 15 minutes of coaching for free in the areas of blogging, digital marketing, podcasting, and Pinterest account management. I've left a link in the show notes. That's it for today. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. Bye for now.